Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The, Medi- the Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it is time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I am your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and whether you are an executive director of a professional association trying continually to bring on and serve new members like Maureen, or whether you're a project manager like Harry, always trying to develop new methods for team communication, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Today's episode is called Tough Management Calls, and yes, today we are going to take a look at uh, playing profitably with others. We're going to take some very real situations that other executives have faced, and we're going to give you, our audience out there, a chance to test your own business wit with a solution, and we'll give you... Then we'll give you the actual solution that each manager tried. It may not be right, but this is what has been done, and you be the judge. But before we solve all your managerial challenges, let me take a few moments to supply you out there with a few utensils for our feast. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself, the most important corporate body in your life. Will this be the day that you scrutinize your situation and choose one change that would bring you greater fulfillment? Or will you just continue to go along for the ride seeking as little dissatisfaction as possible? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from 101 Best Business Quips. So let me get out the book here. Okay, here we go. Here we are. Uh, this is 72. And uh, I love it. it's perfect for today. It says, I was spoken by a gentleman who said, my management style involves assembling a brilliant team of experts, each devoted to protecting me from performing any duties whatsoever. (laughs) I've worked for a few of those. As an afterthought, I invite you to consider that this butt-to-the-chair style is not a managerial philosophy. It's really just a... It is time to rise and walk, my friends, up, move about, and become a real manager. Gentle. Um, perhaps um, we should call this day's utensil aptly the employee prong. We'll give you the answers to last week's business quotation uh, right now. But And today, before we leave the air, we'll be broadcasting another quotation, and we invite you to email us uh, the name of the author as you see it. Just simply write your answer uh, with the, the author's name in, to info at bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you're right, we will announce your name on the air and give you all the praise that you truly deserve. The author to last week's quotation, the individual who said, to a newspaper man, a human being is just an item with the skin wrapped around it, 
those words were spoken by the very funny and very enlightening comedian of radio, Mr. Fred Allen. Now, let us dig into today's feast. We're going to discuss some tough management calls. And as I present each scenario, I would invite anyone out there uh, to call in and give us your solution that you might have come up with, or perhaps a problem of your own. So just call into the number 347-850-1785. That's 347-850-1785. We'd love to hear from you. So here is the first challenge, and this was presented to me by Meredith. Now, Meredith uh, wrote this in. She was the CEO, and Jason was her second-in-command. He was an expert on the financial and uh, the technical end, and she really needed his services. But this was a guy who was playing catch-up with his career. And gradually at board meetings, Meredith would see these gentle shifts uh, of blame that he would make on her for project failings and when something didn't work out he would start putting things off on her and then she would see him talking privately with other board members and he talks uh, to them to people privately and finally one night he went to the home of the chairman of the board and said he absolutely had to see him, and he basically made his pitch for firing Meredith as CEO and bringing on himself in her place. It uh, was about the most underhanded thing you could do. Now, uh, here is the question. It then... Meredith didn't hear about this. It came to her as news at the next board meeting that the board members were so upset about this. They liked Meredith. They thought Meredith was great. So they said, this guy we is just disloyal. We can't have him on our staff. We want to fire him. Now, that may seem as if the problem's all just solved itself. And everything, and you have been validated, Mr. CEO, and everything is fine. But think about this. What would you do? And yes, it would be easiest to just sort of sit there and let them remove Jason and finally get someone who's both competent and supportive. But what would you do? Now, Meredith was very, very smart. And the whole reason the board wanted her was that she always did indeed put the company first. And she talked, she said to the board, no, let's not fire him. Jason is a very, very valuable contributor in the financial, and we really need him in the in the tech area. It would be very costly and time-wasting to get someone else. I will talk to Jason privately. So here's what she did. She talked to Jason privately and said, ah, you made a terrible mistake in trying to pitch me out of here. You, I've been here as a director for 17 years and CEO. Why would you try to think that you could do something like that? It was, you didn't consider the full value. It was a bad decision. But we are going to let that decision go because we need you to perform this way we need to, and that way. We need your loyalty. We need your hard work. So just let's say 
that you are on probation, but right now we need you to get back to work. She did, and I, I want you to pause and think for a minute about what this took from Meredith. Someone had actually tried to destroy her whole career, and he might have done it, but she said, no, we're putting the company first. It's not time for vengeance. It's time for getting the, for wringing X thousand dollars worth of salary out of this guy because we need him. He's good. Let's keep him. That's uh, certainly one way to do it. What would you have done? I, I bring that up to you. It's, uh, it's something to look at. And I think we all need to, to admire someone like Meredith who was able to keep her personal vengeance out of the situation. All right, now, um, then the next thing, next challenge we have, challenge uh, number two, is we're going to have, uh, we're going to be talking about someone who just couldn't get together with folks. As we say, working and playing well together, he got an F. So Mike was a serial entrepreneur and CEO. He brings together large teams and gathers them quickly and grinds out a huge amount of pharmaceutical product. He's very good at it. He's done this several times. He's turned over three companies at great profit. And he wastes no time because he simply cannot afford to. So when he has somebody who just is not a team player, who is not a bad fit, what do you do? What do you do when you have someone who you've talked to who just performs, but he just doesn't work well with the rest of the team. There's really, when this happens, you can view it as a wound. A, a bad team member is a wound in the team, and you really have three choices with a wound. You can ignore it and hope that the team's self-healing powers are strong enough to scab over the problem and continue chugging on up the hill, and that that may work. B, you can amputate. That is, you can fire the SOB. You lose a limb, but at least you've retained your, the most valuable asset, which is the team itself. And C, you can dress the wound. That is, you can spend valuable time and money putting costly salves of training and repair and reworking with the individual to make him a whole team member again. That's really the three choices you've got. Now, what does Mike do? Remember, a guy, fast gathering, uh, he works hard to bring everything quickly to a head. And for Mike, there's always one answer in such a situation. B, amputate. He says, I don't have time for anyone who cannot make it, and I do not care if he is the the best producer or the best research scientist we've got. That guy is history if he can't fit in with the team. I turn to him gently, and I say, Son, I bid you adieu, because I think it is time for you to try and find happiness elsewhere. You won't find it here, and we won't find it with you. That's that's his exact words. I love it. It's great. But that's uh, that's the way some... That's sometimes you do have to amputate. And I would just like to say, which one of these three answers is the correct one? Well... The answer is each of them. Sometimes you have to decide whether you want to, whether you can ignore uh, a non-fed individual and let the others take care of him, dress, 
dress him up and re- retrain him and make him fit or just amputate the old guy. You make a choice. That's what we all have to do. That's why business is a life of decisions. All right, moving on. Let's uh, let's bring out one another challenge we have here. And this is this is one of my favorites. I love this one. The, um, it was brought to me by uh, consultant Stephen G. Payne, who uh, is a consultant to many many CEOs. And Stephen met uh, this one fellow who had brought him in specifically because the team wasn't working. That is, the team just didn't seem to have what it uh, what it takes. They could never go here. And the, he says, not one member in my senior staff is able to make a decision without me, said the, said the, the uh, CEO. Stephen looks him straight in the eye and says, and just how much of that are you willing to own? Now, this was Stephen's solution, and I think that it's something that everyone here who is a leader has to consider. He looked he looked at this man and said, if it was one person who can't make a decision, maybe two, that's one thing. But if no one can make a decision, you've got to own up to, be, to, to the responsibility for that. That just ain't the way it's supposed to be. And you have to dig deep in yourself and say, no, I I must be doing something that is causing this. And actually, the CEO dug deep, looked inside and said, yes, I do notice that I cut people off in sentences and I put them down when I... When I try to do that, when we have meetings and when I'm trying to bring my own ideas forward, and I, I, I am very hasty. Yes, yes, you're, you're right. Dr. Payne, I, I see that. You've pointed that out to me. you fixed my problem, and I thank you very much. I will correct those problems right now. And Stephen looks him straight in the eye and says, Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> he says, What? He says, no, you won't, not if you're depending on just sheer willpower. You've got to look in deeper inside you and say, why do I cut people off? It is because you're trying to bolster your own authority. Is it because you fear the ideas of other people? You're going to have to find out why you do what you do. And there's your solution. When you find out why you're doing that, then you can come up with remedies. And... In that one, that takes on a slightly broader term for all of us who lead groups of people. You really have to find out not just what kind of leader you are and why you and, and what you do, but you have to know why you do things, and that way you can improve and correct. So I just I just pass that one on. I thank you, Stephen. That was a good one, and uh, some of them I feel I can mention the names for and some of them I, I don't and uh, this um, but right about now if you uh, as well as things are going along we have a uh, time we're going to take a little time I'm going to explain one thing before we uh, move to the mid point of the show and that is that many people uh, have called in and have asked about the Nepalese meditation bowl and They've asked, where did it come from? What is it? Why do you ring it? And so forth. Well, 
the, it was something that uh, I picked up when I was my wife and I were climbing Annapurna. We'd come down through Tibet into Nepal, and we in Kathmandu we found this beautiful ringing bowl that when you ring it with a wooden mallet. It's it's sort of we find that it focuses the mind. That's what it's supposed to do, and it calls your attention to a certain spot of your intellect. And we find and so I ask that uh, I ring it at the beginning of the show to invite each person listening to the show to pause and ponder. So that's the story of the Nepalese meditation bowl. Some have asked. Some of you obviously think it's just sort of the bizarre wailing of somebody in the background, but uh, there really is indeed a purpose to it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is. Uh, I would now like to take a couple of moments to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing. They are the creator of among other books, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides, and you may visit www.bartsbooks.com to explore a wide, a whole wide wealth of business tools, and that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And additionally, Prometheus Publishing is also uh, inviting you to the upcoming Book Expo on May 28th to the 31st at the Javits Center, Center in Manhattan. They invite you to their booth on number 2968, and if you arrive, they will gladly give you a special gift of laughter and a pearl of wisdom for each of you to take away. And by the way, if you like the business quip that you saw that, that uh, we introduced earlier today in the show, you may also get them delivered right to your email portal as they sluice through on cyberspace. And you just simply go to bartsbooks.com and subscribe to them for free. And each week, every Monday morning, you'll get a little laughter. And heaven knows, couldn't we all use it? So, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to get back to the tough business calls, the challenges. And this is one of my favorites. This, I, I want you all to, I'm going to pause after I present the problem. And this one I uh, cannot use the real name for. Um, but this is one I want you all to take care of. Here's your test right here. Jim was really, it's a great asset to the firm, but his team just couldn't get behind him. This is the story that was told me by a CEO. He said that we've got a great department head, but a rotten team. And he thought Jim was just great. He says he really pushes the company for production. He cares about the company. He cracks the whip, but it's always with the company's betterment in mind. He keeps every one of them exactingly to the utmost standard. He insists that they toe the line, that they get in there on time, and they stay late till they get it right. And in addition, Jim is really a personable guy. At the board meetings, he compliments everyone one who's there all the time, constantly praises them, even gets people coffee all the time. You know, as he put it, he even came over to my house and washed my car, the CEO told me. I mean, and I, I just don't understand it. 
what are we going to do with Jim's lousy crew, the constant turnover all the time? What is, uh, just what can you do when the crew just doesn't seem to have it? Now, pause for a moment, and what is the solution? What do you, what would you do if you were the CEO? How would, what would you, how would you handle Jim and his crew? that we found this is this was the fact Jim was a workplace bully Jim would come on to other uh, into his own department and treat everyone like slaves he'd yell he'd push he'd drive he'd scream and he showed all the classic signs his all of his team were on Prozac they had a high turnover uh, he had this sort of Martinet whip-cracking discipline that made it seem like he was wanting people to work hard, but he just wanted them to work for him. They also had very low production levels. In other words, all his admired hard-driving style was failing. At the same time, he was absolutely fawning to superiors. And he washes your car? Get real, man. That guy's a screwball. And so, at this point... Uh, in in the radio show, we're going to say, uh, what what would you do? Well, the real reason, the real way that you save yourself, is to fire Jim. That's what you have to do, because the, the team again is more important. Harken back to the show we were just the challenge we were just talking about. What? How do you get rid of somebody um, who is not? not working for the good of the company. He seems like it's all their fault. Uh, that one was one of the more interesting ones that was uh, brought to me uh, by the head of the workplace bullying workshop. And it was a, that's a real, it, it shows that workplace bullies are everywhere out there. And you, have, you as a CEO must keep your eye out for them. Now here's number. Here's another challenge that I think we'll, we'll, that we'll bring on as we, uh, and this this one I've entitled "Labored and Brought Forth a Mouse." The tech team, uh, the tech team on for, for the company had really pitched in. They had all stayed late. They've been they've buckled down. They've given them their minds uh, and their sweat and their all to creating an absolutely wonderful new website for the firm and they finally have done it they come in um in mass and they to the ceo's office and they are absolutely giddy when they come in they just can't wait to show you everything about it all right now you're the ceo you take a look you take one look it is amazing it is amazingly terrible. They have so far missed the mark that you can't believe they even had the same target in mind. You had, you look at this. This just won't do. No one would come to this site, and if they ever found it, they sure as heck wouldn't stay there. You yourself have a master's in computer science, and for the life of you, you can't even navigate this dumb thing. And the graphics make you, <laughs> well, frankly, Scarlett, you just don't give a hoot. So... You'd like to fire them all on the spot. Better still, you'd like to send them to your competitor and get him working for them. These guys are idiots. Trouble is, 
they're your idiots. And you need them to slowly come around to building you a new website that's going to enrich your company and bring it some business. So my question is, what do you do? And how do you handle this situation when their expectations are also up and they're so proud of it? This is what one very admired CEO that I know did, a very admirable fellow, and I can't give you his name because I don't want to insult the tech firm, but I just want you to know that that this was a case where the fellow did everything right. He he was right there on the desk, the whole team anticipatorily looking at him, and he, he spreads the graphics before him on the table. He asks him to sit down, and the first words out of his mouth are, you know what I like about this? And then he proceeds to bring out every niggling little good aspect he can possibly find on the site. There aren't many, but if you look hard enough, you can find them, and he does find them. And he keeps going. The number two, he keeps going and laces the original vision of this of for this website in amongst his comments so he would say Irv I see how you tried to make this logically navigable that was it's a good it's a good thing to try and do again listen to the wordings uh, now what were your thoughts when you created this perhaps you could do uh, a little better on this uh, could we would there be a little bit we could make it even more easily navigable and then finally he reads the goals over and over again about and then goes through it element by element and asks them how do they feel that the goals were met slowly agonizingly they're getting with they're maintaining their enthusiasm to make what they loved better and that's the whole idea he had got them to make this site better without the taking them down into the valley to say, oh, God, what a terrible mess you've made of it. No, because you don't need to do that. You need to inspire them with making it even better. And I think that was that's just one of the ones that I'm most proud of. I, I thought that was, was just just a great thing. And let's see. I think we have time for one more if we uh, if we make it quick. And that is uh, this is one that uh, about making a lean team. There's several. You you have to downsize. You've got a lot of people, and it's some and the revenue just isn't there. You have to downsize. Well. There's there's a couple of methods. There is one used by one of the major uh, brokerage houses in in this country, and they literally just go through. They ask each uh, department head to make a list of his people, put them down, and put them down in order of importance. That is how much money they've brought in. They don't care any no adjectives no he'll be good later on we we really should invest in this guy uh this fellow's mother died yesterday i don't care list them and they just dropped the 10 percent. They, they just dropped the the bottom four or whatever it is uh every year they do this and that's one way it does uh you just go by this the straight cash earned and brought in you can use the jack welch solution which I always liked. The uh, 
instead of just cutting off a list and value, he said, we're going to make our team the few, the proud, the elite. And he would take when, for instance, he looked, he, uh, when he took over GE, he had four speechwriters. He looked at them and said, we need one. He fired the rest right out of hand and then took the one and threw an immense amount of money at this guy, along with an immense amount of responsibility. And if you can think of writing a speech for, for uh Jack Welch, it's no mean trick. Uh, Bill Lane did it with the man who remained, and he did an excellent job with it. But that's another way that you could make make it into a team. There are others, and I just bring that up to you. So now, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's shows, um, I'm going to give you leave you with the today's business quotation. Who said, I've tried to get our employees to stop texting for just one hour a week. That's the one hour I personally talk to them. The result, they look me right in the eye and text under the table. <laughs> Hint, the author, this author, no one knows tech like this man knows tech. And remember, uh, if you have the name of uh, that author, who you think it is, send it into info at bartsbooks.com. And if you're right, we'll announce your name on the air. Finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, allow me to say, the CEO's greatest luxury is also his greatest responsibility. That is the opportunity to dream and scheme. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a privilege. I thank you. Good afternoon. <laughs>